following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. And in case you hadn't figured it out, that's Charlie Daniels. That's one I hadn't heard in a while. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Real good. If that doesn't wake anybody up on a Saturday morning, I can't help it. They just don't want to wake up. They just don't. It's all right. Well, I'm here and you're here. Yeah. And so is Charlie. Yep. You 
There you go. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Perfect thing to get us going this morning. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP. Let me read my Bible verse for the morning. Uh, this is the book of John, 15th chapter. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples." That's what Jesus says to his followers, that he is the vine, we are the branches. So we're to abide in him if we're going to be fruitful and do his will. That's John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Something I was given this week by a lady who is... uh, a listener of the show, and she pointed my attention to this. It's uh, from a guy named Doug Casey, uh, who publishes the Casey Daily Dispatch. And it's about the uh, recent changes or the corruptions in the English language, the way that uh, people use the language in a in an in well, in a corrupt way. And uh, I'm going to get into this. It's it's actually pretty good. Today's note, uh, or today I'm sharing one of the most popular essays by Doug Casey in recent years. He discusses the misuse of certain words and why it's adding to the corruption of civilization. He says, uh, let's discuss words. Many of the words you hear, especially on television and other media, are confused, conflated, or completely misused. Many recent changes in the way words are used are corrupting the language. The corruption of language is adding to the corruption of civilization itself. And think about it. We are our words. So much of what we consist of is how we express ourselves, what we say to people. We have to mean what we say, and the words that we use have to have valid meaning or else we're using words that are uh, meaningless. And many of them have been corrupted for that reason. He says, where shall I start? For there are over a million words in English. I've rather arbitrarily chosen a few that are especially relevant to investors and freedom lovers. 
Many of these words are popular with the political classes. For instance, stimulate the economy. That phrase came out in the 1960s. It really just means print money. Print additional money so that it'll get into circulation and there will be a sense of economic activity. But is there truly any wealth being created? That's the question. See, money doesn't mean people think money equals wealth. Well, wealth equals goods and services. It's, uh, it's production. It's being able to do something. They don't use to stimulate the economy much anymore because they can no longer see results in stimulus, rather the opposite. Now it's called quantitative easing. And everybody uses it without questioning the fact that it means print money, inflate the currency, or debase the currency. They say quantitative easing with no irony. QE is what they call it at the Fed. Printing uh, money, adding money to the economy so that the banks will survive, basically. The powers that be use a word, and all the jabbering monkeys follow their lead using the same word. I advise you to call them on it. When you use the enemy's language, you're playing the enemy's game on his field, and you can't win a battle doing that. This is interesting. Um, he said, that, let's talk about bonds. You remember when dead instruments used to be called bonds and debentures? That's a critical but totally lost distinction. A bond is an instrument that is guaranteed by a specific asset in addition to the company's credit. In other words, a bond is like a mortgage. It has a... Uh, it has that asset as its backing, and if the company were to default or go into bankruptcy, then the bondholders would uh, own that asset. A debenture is a debt instrument that is just guaranteed by the issuer's general credit. Whatever happened to debentures, apparently they don't exist anymore. Why? Because almost all debt instruments are debentures today. They're now called bonds which are better than debentures, but the actual fact is they're really not. Uh, there are lots of debts out there that are unsecured, and if they're unsecured, then they're debentures. It's subtle, dishonest, and indicative of what's happened to the credit universe in general. Things are made to look better than, in fact, they are, and that is a fact. That's true. Uh, things have been made to look better than what they are. And they're not as secure as they might be if they had the old terminology behind it. So money and even credit has been watered down to where it doesn't have the kind of standing it once had. Another one, time deposits and demand deposits. Some of you remember the proper use of those terms, but now they're completely conflated. Banking is actually two separate and different businesses combined into one. With time deposits, you give the bank a number of dollars for a specific length of time, 
then the bank guarantees you a specific amount of interest. Why? So it can lend it out at a higher rate of interest for an identical amount of time, genuinely in a self-liquidating secured business loan to somebody of substance. Consumer and mortgage loans are out of the question to a sound banker. Time deposits still kind of exist in the form of CDs, but they've generally morphed into savings accounts in the common vernacular. And even those have disappeared and have been conflated with demand deposits called checking accounts by most people. They are historically different animals, at least if you're running a sound bank. Historically, with checking accounts, the bank doesn't pay you interest. You pay the bank a fee. Why? For the service of storing your money and the convenience of writing checks against it. It's as if you gave your furniture to Allied Van and Storage, paying them to store it. Now, this distinction is totally lost, and they can, in effect, lend your furniture out. This, plus the fractional reserve system, is why he believes, this is his belief, that all the world's banks are illiquid and most are basically bankrupt. Stay with us. We'll talk about this a little more. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show at News Radio 630 WLAP. The news you want to know. Mail bombing suspect apprehended. The news. President Trump. You need to know. Change his tone. The Democrats. Get up in the face. Arrest them. Lower the temperature. Stay in the know. The caravan. With News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree Jr. Do you understand your retirement savings and investments? Do you know how much you can reasonably expect to take from them after you retire without diminishing the principal? If you haven't thought about these things, should because they can affect how long your money may last. At Dupree Financial Group, we've been following things like this for some time. Our goal for our clients is to make their investments produce income for them from dividends and interest without diminishing their principal. If you'd like a free consultation about your retirement investments, give us a call at 859-233-0400. We'll give you an honest assessment of what we think your investments will produce for you in retirement. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400, DupreeFinancial.com, and the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings at News Radio 630 WLAP. 630 WLAP. Call up Trudy on the telephone. Send a letter in the mail. Back on the Tom Dupree Show, more of Charlie Daniels. Where'd you find these? 
Well, I, I've known them for years. I'm pulling them out. Uh, some of them we've got in our system. Some of them I'm pulling off YouTube. So I'm just yeah. uh, putting out my favorites. And uh, he, he put out a new album yesterday. So next half hour, I'm going to get into some of that. You said he's just turned 82? He turns 82 tomorrow. Really? Still out there on the road doing it. Still raising all kinds of hell online. Wow. He's great online. He doesn't care. <laughs> he's a big conservative. Yes, I know he that. is. So back to this discussion of uh, the language. Uh, it's interesting how people kind of use language to justify their own ends. Um, and we've seen that done with everybody from high politicians to people walking around nowadays. Language means less and less of what it used to mean. Time and demand deposits. Some of you remember those proper terms. Okay, I already read that. Investment, savings. Everybody uses these words often interchangeably, but nobody ever defines them. What's the difference between investments and savings? Because they don't understand what they actually mean. So they're misused and conflated. What is investment? Investment is the allocation of a certain amount of capital to a productive enterprise intended to create more capital. It's like planting a seed. Savings is simply putting aside the fruits of past production. You should produce more than you consume. When you set aside the excess, that is savings. Savings creates capital, and with capital, you can invest. But now the concepts of savings and investment are conflated. The difference between them is undefined and therefore uncertain in the public's mind. People sometimes come into us with uh, money and investment accounts, and they, they consider that savings. It's actually investment. It's been allocated to uh Productive enterprises like stocks, which are pieces of businesses. And uh, this is investment. Now, this is what we've talked about over the years is the best way to withstand inflation over time is to invest your money in things that produce things, productive enterprises. Uh, as opposed to hiding it under your sheet or under your mattress. Because when when you do that, uh, you don't get enough return on it to, um, to outgain inflation. Just had a text here. So uh, somebody out of town. They're not listening to the show. So th the difference in investment and savings is a big one. And then you come to a thing called speculation. A lot of th people think speculation, oh, that's gambling. In fact, some people think the whole investment business altogether is, is gambling. Well, it's not. Not if you uh, study the things that you're investing in and have conviction about them. 
Actually, no. Speculation is allocating capital, not to create more capital, but to take advantage of distortions and misallocations created in the market, usually by government interference. Gambling is to engage in a game of chance, roulette, dice, or the like. Since most people in the markets have no idea what they're doing, they actually are gambling, just using their brokerage house as a casino. Perhaps that's why two people confuse the things between investment savings and speculation and gambling. And it is, um, it's a big distinction. This is why we talk to people in our business about the businesses that they're investing in. When they invest with us, we talk about the underlying businesses and their characteristics. And would you not want to own stock in a business like BMW, which creates uh, cars and makes a good profit? Uh, would you not want to invest business in a business like Core Civic, which owns private prisons? That's an unpopular business to be in, but it's profitable nevertheless, and it's needed because governments cannot house all the prisoners that, that end up in the system, and they have to rely on private prisons to warehouse these people. And in some cases, the private prisons are as good or better than the state-run thing. Shareholders and stakeholders. We all know that a shareholder actually owns a share in a company, but have you noticed that over the last generation, shareholders have become more less important than stakeholders, even though um, stakeholders are just hangers-on, employees or people who are looking to get on, in on a shakedown. Well, that's what he says. But everybody slavishly acknowledges, yes, we've got to look out for the stakeholders, and, and you have that in city government also people talk about stakeholders to a certain project stay with us you're listening to the tom dupree show it's news radio 630 wlap woodson bend resort a premier vacation paradise on lake cumberland like no other Featuring luxurious condos, 18-hole golf course, large marina, seasonal restaurant, playground, swimming pool, basketball, tennis, and volleyball. Perfect for any event. Woodson Bend Resort, where it's a great day every day. Visit our website at woodsonbendresorts.com for more information. Message and data rates may apply. Earning your degree from one of the top business schools in the country might sound impossible to fit into your workload. But what if there were a business degree that furthered your career and gave you access to world-renowned faculty, leaders, and mentors, all on your schedule? One that opened doors to some of the most influential CEOs, tech companies, law firms, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. And what if you could earn that degree in as little as 16 months, 100% online? To find out more, text TREND to 79645. That's T-R-E-N-D to 79645. Start your online MBA, information management, or business analytics master's program from the W.P. Carey School of Business at Arizona State University today. Learn more about the W.P. Carey Business Graduate Programs online. Text TREND to 79645. That's T-R-E-N-D to 79645. People who know 
suspected package bomb mailer Cesar Sayat say he had very strong political views. Victor Wiley worked with him at a Florida nightclub. He was very dissatisfied with the liberal direction because I think that was back when Barack Obama was president. So obviously he had an axe to grind with that. Ronald Lowy has represented Sayak in the past. I believe he's been mentally ill from the time I met him. Uh, but I don't believe that he had violent uh, 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 tendencies at that moment. Investigators used DNA evidence, fingerprints, and cell phone information to lead them to Sayok and his vehicle, where he's said to have lived. The windows of the white van police say he had parked outside were covered with potential evidence. The hard-to-miss political messages supporting the president and demonizing his critics, including Hillary Clinton, and CNN. ABC Steve Osinsami at a rally last night, President Trump applauded the FBI and Secret Service and said the media has been using the story to score political points against him. Sherry Preston, ABC News. It is a dreary opening day for the weekend. We've got temperatures out there into the upper 40s and low 50s, cloudy skies, gusty winds, periods of showers, and some drizzle. Heading out and about on Sunday gets a little better for a while, but those winds are going to be a big player, 30 to 40 miles an hour for gusts. We'll see some scattered showers and storms into the afternoon. Daytime highs 55 to 60. I'm WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey on your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio Station. The lunatic left orchestrated the despicable smear of Brett Kavanaugh and wants another try with Amy McGrath on their team. They accused an innocent man of being a sexual predator. They harass and attack our leaders in restaurants and airports. Now they want Nancy Pelosi to impeach President Trump and Justice Kavanaugh. Amy McGrath stands with Nancy Pelosi and the liberal mob. It's time to send a message. Vote against Amy McGrath. Paid for by the Kentucky Patriot Pack, not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. KYPatriot.org. Kentucky Patriot Pack is responsible for the content of this advertising. Kroger can help make wellness happen your way. And if you're enrolling in Medicare Part D for 2019, we're here to help make it easier. We offer preferred pharmacy pricing on most major plans, including United Healthcare, Aetna, Express Scripts, and Anthem, with copays as low as $0. Plus, Kroger offers you health and nutrition support with all the delicious foods you need. So if you're choosing a new Medicare Part D plan, we've got you covered. Visit your Kroger pharmacy or kroger.com slash Medicare today. Noted author, former chief medical correspondent, and Salon Pass user, Dr. Bob Arnott. The human body has billions of pain receptors. Block those receptors with the anesthetics found in Salon Pass Lidocaine Plus, and you'll have relief. Salon Pass Lidocaine Plus contains two anesthetics, including the maximum strength lidocaine available without a prescription. They numb aggravated nerves for effective, lasting relief. For relief, try what I use, Salon Pass Lidocaine Plus. In the silver box with the blue wave. 630 WLAP. Did the shift come by? He met him at the door 
with a 44 and he shot him right between the eyes. Sent him to his maker in a shallow grave. He took it in the pouring rain. Daddy said, son, I'm gonna have to run. I'm leaving on the midnight train. But before I go, I want you to know what's flowing in your veins, bad blood. Ah. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. New Charlie Daniels that uh, was released yesterday. Album called Bo Weevils. This one, this is the new one? Yes. Oh, okay. Songs in the Key of E is what it's titled. And the song's called Bad Dog. Yes. can tell that. He's still playing (laughs) the fiddle? Yeah. Sure is. So back to this discussion of language, um, the guy was talking about the word stakeholder back on the Tom Dupree show um, versus a shareholder. He said, uh, if the stakeholders want to vote in what a company does, they ought to become shareholders. Stakeholders are a class of being created out of nothing by cultural Marxists for the purpose of shaking down shareholders. Then he comes to the word inflation. This is one of the most misused words. Few even think about its actual meaning. What is inflation? Well, that's prices going up. But no, it's not. To say that is to confuse cause and effect. Inflation is an increase in the money supply. You inflate when the money supply is increased by more than real wealth increases. Prices go up as a result. People have forgotten about that. Today, inflation seems to come out of nowhere like a freak storm. No cause unless it's blamed on the butcher or the baker or an evil oil company. Nobody ever thinks that it's a central bank the Federal Reserve Bank in the U.S. that actually creates more money and causes inflation. And I've said this for years, that we need to have sounder money than what we've got because the money that we have has been printed by fiat, meaning it's just been created out of out of thin air. And how can money have meaning if it doesn't represent wealth? Over time... It debases the the value of itself by more of it being created. It makes for more inflation and more uh, poverty, actually, among people who have money and don't have the sophistication to invest it. purchasing power of their dollars gets debased with inflation so their money won't buy what it once would have and this is caused by the central bank it's not caused by people just arbitrarily raising prices the price raising occurs as a result of the money being printed You've heard the Federal Reserve is trying to create a little bit of inflation because they say a little bit of inflation is good, says Doug Casey. I'm I'm reading from this report of his called Recent Corruptions of the English Language. 
No, even a little bit of inflation is deadly poisonous for two reasons. It creates the business cycle and it destroys the value of savings. Saving is the basis of capital creation. People who say that a little inflation is a good thing are dangerous fools. What about deflation? Now, deflation is where prices are going down. That's a bad thing, they say. Well, is it? In fact, deflation is a natural thing in a healthy capitalist economy. Why? Because in a healthy capitalist economy, every year more wealth is created. An increase of wealth means prices, denominated in sound money, will go down. And when prices go down, it means that the money you saved is worth more. Your standard of living will rise. How would that be that if every year your money that was set aside would actually buy more stuff? That would be deflation rather than inflation. Deflation encourages savings. That's a good thing, not a bad thing, because remember, savings represents the excess of production over consumption. That's how you get wealthy, by producing more than you consume and putting aside the difference. And when you have deflation, where your money becomes more valuable every year, you're encouraged to save. When the government destroys the currency by inflating it, saving is discouraged. Of course, at this point, because of the unsound monetary system, we might get a catastrophic deflation, a credit collapse. Another misused word is money. Money can be defined as a medium of exchange and a store of value. Historically, it's always been something tangible. For instance, cows are salt. The word pecuniary comes from pecus, which is the Latin word for cow. We get salary from Latin word for salt, but gold and sometimes silver has always been preferred as money. What you've got in your wallet, however, those dollar bills are currency. Currency is a relatively recent in invention. It's the government substitute for money. It originated as a receipt for money, i.e. gold. I don't know if you remember this, but it used to be bills, dollar bills, were gold and silver certificates. And they could be redeemed for an equal amount in gold or silver at any time. So the dollar bills had something behind them. They were uh, they were representative of something of value, typically gold or silver, that was on deposit that could theoretically be redeemed by presenting that bill and saying, I want my ounce of gold that's behind this. See, gold was fixed at $35 an ounce for many years. So you could have uh, taken $35 worth of gold certificates and exchanged them for an ounce of silver, or an ounce of gold, rather. Currency no longer has any relationship to money. And now, forget about even having currency. It's all about credit. Even currency is going out of circulation with the war on cash. Soon you'll have only credit, ephemeral coins in the ether. 
digits in the ether. Either you buy or sell will go through your bank account so the powers that be can know exactly what you're doing. It'll be pretty much impossible to evade taxes or maintain any privacy. The world is rapidly going that direction. It's a huge mistake, and we should not do that. Wait a minute. What did I just say? We should. These are perfectly fine English words except when used together. <laughs> you remember Tonto and the Lone Ranger? Remember the joke about when when they were surrounded by a bunch of hostile Indians, excuse me, Native Americans, and the Lone Ranger says, Tonto, we're in a lot of trouble. And Tonto looks at the Lone Ranger. Incidentally, Tonto means stupid in Spanish and says, what do you mean we, white man? We is a dangerous word, especially when combined with should. It often occurs in political speeches or in comments by talking heads. Listen to the imbeciles on TV and see how many times the word should occur. It's sympathetic. I'm sympathetic to Tonto. Another word the political class uses a lot is diversity. You hear that word all the time, diversity. What does it mean? We've got to have diversity. No, we don't have to have diversity. I don't see why every room has got to have a few blacks, Hispanics, or women. But people feel good about this. They feel like they're being more fair uh, if they if they have all these representatives of uh, different races and uh, uh, cultures under the same roof, that somehow that makes things better. Well, of course, half the human race are women, but I occasionally like to go to a men's club. It's odd that men are never invited to ladies' functions and don't seem to care. In fact, birds of a feather usually flock together. This is perfectly natural. I don't think you need diversity. If you want it in your club, fine. But freedom of association is far more important. Who do people want to associate with? That's that's what he says is more important. That's That's true freedom instead of forced association. I'm being forced into a diverse environment because... I'm being told it's culturally good for me. He says, I form my friendships based upon neither diversity nor lack of diversity, although there's a tendency to associate with people like yourself. I form my friendships based on the character and the beliefs that a person has. That's a better way of doing it. Because then you're looking at what's on the inside of the person. The attributes that create diversity are accidentals. The fact that diversity is emphasized draws attention to the incidentals like race, sex, and gender and diverts it from important things like character and beliefs. Diversity has become destructive. Cultural Marxists love it because they hate people. All right, stay with us here. It is the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP.
What's current? Suspicious package. Political violence. What's to come? A caravan. What's happening in your world? We head into the midterm elections. Because big events happen every day and we'll happen to be there. We will get to the bottom of it. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree Jr. Do you understand your retirement savings and investments? Do you know how much you can reasonably expect to take from them after you retire without diminishing the principal? If you haven't thought about these things, you should because they can affect how long your money may last. At Dupree Financial Group, we've been following things like this for some time. Our goal for our clients is to make their investments produce income for them from dividends and interest without diminishing their principal. If you'd like a free consultation about your retirement investments, give us a call at 859-233-0400. We'll give you an honest assessment of what we think your investments will produce for you in retirement. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400, dupreefinancial.com, and the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings at News Radio 630 WLAP. 630 WLAP. There you go. Talk about about the money, just what I was talking about. Yeah, perfect. Talk about a great Southern storyteller. Yeah. I mean, just just paint these vivid images, and this is the legend of Wooly Swamp. Great Halloween song, but I mean, you can just imagine this going on somewhere back in a swamp down in the South. Yep. Great song. So, back to this discussion of words, which I think is really good. The word unity has become poisonous. So, we get these words shoved at us by the media, by people out there that are trying to tell us how we should live and think, think and live, and... uh 
it is annoying at times to be told, you know, how you're supposed to be. Unity has become poisonous. That's another one moronic politicians love to invoke. We got to have unity. No, we don't have to have unity. In fact, we shouldn't have unity. Unity is dangerous. It's what happens when all the chimpanzees get together and start hooting and panning to create a war. People like Hitler, Stalin, and Mao required unity. Remember, it was okay to have bank secrecy or any kind of secrecy, and then secrecy became somehow wrong. So moral cowards said, let's just have privacy. The word sounds less threatening. Well, you can forget about privacy, too. Now you're supposed to have transparency. That's another word that's been revitalized in the last politically correct generation or two. It's promoted by busybodies as a good thing. Transparency is a condition where everybody can see everything. Frankly, in my life, I don't want everybody or anybody for that matter to see anything. It's none of their damn business. The ability to maintain privacy or secrecy is one that separates civilized men from primitives living in mud huts. I don't acknowledge either the necessity or the automatic goodness of transparency. I'm reading from Doug Casey on recent corruptions in the English language. That's what I've been reading from. That's been my text. Now, if I own shares in a publicly traded corporation as a shareholder, I'll demand transparency from the management. Generally speaking, management shouldn't be trusted. They're hired suits, and shareholders should keep them on a tight leash. But nobody other than shareholders has a right to demand transparency from a corporation. In general, forget about this word. It's popular. Everybody uses it. But it should be expunged from your vocabulary simply because it's such a favorite of cultural Marxists and busybodies. He doesn't like those cultural Marxists very well. We didn't get a call from John Short today. Wonder what's going on. I don't know. He must be getting ready for a football game. Well, he must have got his pregame on early, very early. Yeah. Game's not till four o'clock. Kentucky played Trancy last night. Yeah, what they was, did. What was the score of that thing? Oh, what was it? 90. They didn't break 100, 92 to 63, I think. Oh, really? So, yeah. It was that close. Yeah. So, I think Trancy jumped out on. They didn't jump out on a lead, but uh, they looked impressive starting off, and then it was just downhill from them for there. You would expect that. Of course. I, I like the fact they walked down from Transy. Yeah. Down Broadway. They, the didn't, on Broadway. they didn't even take a bus. No, which I would also think it was funny. I, the the running joke was a friend of mine, we were like, you know what, this is why Transy can't keep up with UK. They walk. They don't have any legs. <laughs> That's good. Then you have the word called fair which is a great word, but everybody's got a different idea of fair. Put a bunch of money on the table and let's divide it up. Well, is that fair? I don't know, but I guarantee everybody will have a different idea of what is fair. So let's forget about the idea of fair because nobody knows what that is. I have a better idea. Whatever happened to the word justice? What is just? It means that everybody gets what they deserve. Now perhaps you can solve the problem. 
it's a bit more specific, more focused to find out what you deserve as opposed to what's fair. Because frankly, some people don't deserve anything. Simply existing doesn't necessarily give you a right to the piece of the pie, as many politicians say that you have, or even a right to vote on it. But nobody talks about justice today. They talk about fairness. And, of course, this corrupts the moral character of society. What about freedom of speech? You can forget about that. One reason is because nobody knows what words mean anymore. You need words in order to speak. But if you don't define and use words accurately, they mean nothing. Forget about all the non-PC words you're not even allowed to think, much less use. Freedom of speech is a phrase now divorced from reality. It's actually no longer very important, except oddly enough among political classes, where it's become very important in exactly the wrong way. Because freedom of speech today often means hate speech. So, this thing goes on. I didn't get to do all of it, but it is very good and very revealing because words get conflated and and manipulated and used in ways that people want them to be used to mean things that they shouldn't mean and never have really meant but uh um, that's that's how it ends up happening of course, now we have hate speech. That draws attention to aggressive speech. That's another newly coined phrase. Be, be aware of neologisms, newly minted words that the average chimpanzee uses as if they had been around since the day of Aristotle. One of them is microaggression. This one is really popular with so-called minorities at universities today. It can occur when somebody says something by really parsing it in the manner of a Talmudic scholar might make a person feel uncomfortable. As a result, these people are demanding safe spaces. It's not just completely ridiculous, it's actually psychotic. You should laugh off the concepts of microaggression and safe spaces, revel in free speech, and recognize the difference between hate speech and bad taste speech. And that's a genuine fact. Does anybody say that anymore? Another change in the language over the last generation is that nobody says fact anymore. Facts are now factoids. Do you know what a factoid is? It's an artificial fact or something that looks like a fact but isn't. And so it goes. Uh, I've been reading from Doug Casey on the recent corruptions of the English language which I thought was good for today. So stay tuned with us for another hour. We'll have a Darsh Mashru here shortly, and we'll be talking about things that went on in the market this week. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP.